Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to our Halloween extraordinaire very spooky yeah yeah for for those who are interested in the halloween um so are you a fan of halloween not really i i think it all comes from how you grow up with halloween because a lot of the people that i know that love it did loads of halloweeny stuff when they were kids whereas i was never really allowed to so it's always just kind of passed me by i just kind of see it as a bit of an american holiday really so i've never been that fussed by it what about you i like the idea of halloween but i've never really celebrated it either we never went trick-or-treating or or anything um but i think because i quite like horror for me it's just an excuse to watch slash play horror stuff so Mm. um i like this time of year i think think more than i like last time we both like fall autumn yeah, and I mean, Halloween is closely followed by my favourite day of the year, which is Bonfire Night. I like Bonfire Night too, yeah. Why do you like Bonfire Night? don't know, just that I really like the fact that it's getting colder, that, you know, you can set fire to a man who tried to blow up Parliament, and that's really, that's really fun. Necessary. <laughs> Fireworks. And I'm weird, but I really like the smell of bonfires and of like... um. You know, bonfire smoke and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I was driving for work the other day and drove past an area where someone had like a massive bonfire going on. So I just opened my windows and it's a good smell. Yeah, I, I like the colours of the trees and it's, it's probably my favourite time of year, actually. Besides um, Christmas. Yeah, I, I like Christmas, but I don't like winter. So um, you like to hibernate. I, I do. If like I, a if vol- I hibernate, It would be great. It would be great. <laughs> um, yeah, so Halloween. And speaking of Halloween, um, we're doing a bit of a special game today. Now, this is a game that... It's really special. It's really, really great. It's somehow... We, we don't quite know how this happened, but we have our suspicions. This game appeared on the list after we had started doing the list and we'd compiled our list and the unusual thing is, I mean, this happens all the time. A new game comes onto the list, but this is not a new game. This is an, uh, an old game. So um, a game from the year 2000 suddenly appeared on the list. And my thinking as to how this happened is I'm guessing that some old magazine articles, reviews were sought out and then they kind of updated the score for it. I think um, so. Because you, Cause you I were mean... saying that they're all added the same date. Yeah, they're they're all added in. I think it's May 2021, which I found a little bit strange. Like all of the the original articles were from time of release, which is in the year 2000. But yeah, that they, they all just kind of got added in terms of the archive of where these reviews are held in May 2021. So it was it was, it was a bit bizarre, really. Well, I've not quite worked it out yet. I imagine Metacritic is always doing things to, to try and make sure that its list is accurate and that the scores on there are accurate. So they're probably always trying to 
Um, especially with those older games that some of them aren't even covered on the list, but there's no real reason why they couldn't be because some older games were reviewed quite heavily. Mm. Um, so they're probably doing a bit of a back project to maybe. To try. I mean, I'm, this is pure speculation, but th- there has to be a reason why this game appeared on the list. Maybe it's maybe it's a ghost. <laughs> ghost game. It is a ghost game, and so so we've not actually mentioned the game. The game is ghost game. Um, resident. <laughs> Ghost Game number six, um, Resident Evil Code Veronica, um, released on the Dreamcast in the year 2000. If if we were adhering to our list, this would be number 71, um, but it's not in our list, but we're doing it as a kind of a bonus for Halloween. Um, it's got a meta score of 94, so quite highly rated this one. What are your overarching impressions of this one? I say this with a with a smile on my face, knowing what's coming. I hate it. It is without we've played fifty three, fifty four games now for this list. Fifty two, over fifty. This would be yeah. And this is my least favorite game that we've covered on the list. It is awful. I cannot stand it. And you saying it has a meta score of ninety four baffles me. I don't understand. So that's my uh, overarching thoughts on the game. What about you? <laughs> Coming in strong. Um, I, fa- I found this game to be very exhausting. There were times where I felt like it clicked and then it got to the second half and it felt like it just wouldn't end. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of this game, but I didn't hate it as much as you. I did complete it and I don't want to play it again, um, which kind of... I suppose uh, lays out our cards for this discussion, but we will try and be as uh, level-headed as possible because there are a number of fans of this game that really love it. Um, so we'll try and um, we'll try and cover it objectively. It's not 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 going to be easy, but we'll try. Um, so, have you ever played this game before? No, no. Um, we we mentioned it in the, the Resident Evil Four episode that I've never really played Resident Evil before. I managed to get through Resident Evil 4, albeit kicking and screaming to some extent. Um, to begin with? to be, Yeah, to begin with. And I think we mentioned in that episode, and maybe one or two since, that um, I, really I should release the, the voice reaction to that, that I was sending that, you. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first bit when you get into the village, because I think I died about 12, 13 times in a row. I just I just couldn't couldn't get into it. And then it somewhat clicked for me. And I've tried the first Resident Evil game, but the HD remake that was released on the GameCube, and I, I just can't. I just can't with this series. So what were, your, just, what were your thoughts on that one? Curiosity. Very similar to, to Code Veronica. I mean, I think the the GameCube version of Resi 1 came out after, obviously, Code Veronica did, because... 2002. That, yeah, so it was a little bit more polished than than Code Veronica was, but I just... I I have a thing with Resident Evil where I think it's one of those games, if you enjoyed it when you were a bit younger, you've got no problem with it, and a lot of my friends really like this series. But because I didn't play it when I was younger, I just don't get it. And my main issue with Resident Evil HD Remake, or whatever it was called, is exactly the same as my issue with Code Veronica. is just the control system and the camera. I just can't get my head around it and I don't understand how people think it's good and 
I have to say that obviously it comes from a point of, you know, everyone has their own opinion on what is good and what isn't with game design. But I don't know. I just, yeah, but yeah, to, to answer your question, I've, I've never played this game before. And my only other experience with Resi is when we did Resi 4 last year and my about hour or two, two's worth of experience with um, Resident Evil 1 on the GameCube. Whereas yourself, very different. You've got a fair bit of experience with Resi, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a hardcore fan of Resident Evil, um, but I have played a lot of them. I've completed a lot of them. Not all of them. Um, but I'd never played Code Veronica. I'd heard very good things about Code Veronica. Um, and I was I was quite looking forward to, to doing this episode and to, to playing this game. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like I got a kick in the teeth for that. <laughs> um, that's how it felt. But uh, yeah, before we get ahead of ourselves, what what version of this game did you play? I played this on the Xbox Series X. Uh, no, Xbox One X. Sorry. Every time when played... I, when I play a game on the Xbox, I get them confused. Xbox, just sort your. It's understandable. Titles understandable. out. I played it on um, the Xbox One X. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. The Xbox 3... No, yeah. Um, <laughs> I so, played it on the original Xbox. I played it on the Sega Saturn. <laughs> um, so th- there was there was a version of um, Code Veronica. I suppose we're getting a bit into the development, but I, I played it on the Xbox Series X, but I played the same version of as you, which was yeah, the HD compatible. version of um, Resident Evil Code Veronica X, which was released on the 360 and the PS3. Um, which is backwards compatible. So it's probably the best way to play this game now. Um, so this, this is a really... I don't know if you know anything about the development, but just to give you a bit of background here. Um, it's a really strange thing. So they were trying to port Resident Evil 2 to the Sega Saturn, and they realised they couldn't do it without compromising the port, so they decided not to. They decided instead they were going to create a Resident Evil game for the Sega Dreamcast. And originally, Code Veronica was Resident Evil 3. And somewhere along the line, possibly with involvement from Sony, but no one will confirm or deny that, um, it was changed and Resident Evil 3 turned into the PS1 game that came out on the PS1. And this was uh, renamed Code Veronica. But it's a strange game because actually, in terms of the the storyline... It's considered a main game, but just not a numbered main game. Um, so it's like a spin-off remakes, that should have been a made game. Yeah, it, it, but canonically, it's, it's it's mainline. Yeah, it's considered mainline in terms of the canon of the game, and in everything but name, it's a mainline game, which is why it's a very curious game. And obviously, the Dreamcast came where well, it came out for the Dreamcast. Dreamcast was failing as a console, so they released it on the PS2 as Resident Evil Code Veronica X, which was a, an enhanced version of the game, which is the version that we played um, in HD on the Xbox 360 via the Xbox One X slash Series X. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, and many, many fans of the series consider this a mainline game, and... There are many people that really want a remake of this game in the same vein as the recent remakes of Resident Evil games. Whether we'll see that or not, I don't know. Um, but it's an interesting idea, to say the least. Um, so, do you think you can 
do some justice to this plot. I'll do my best. Um, I mean, you, you know, but heads up, I didn't complete this game. I I couldn't I couldn't put myself through it. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll do it to the best of my ability. Um, give it a go. Should, should I just jump into it? Mm-hmm. So in this game, you play as Claire Redfield, and is she the same person that you played as in the first one in the mansion, or was no, that Jill Valentine? Jill. Yeah, that's okay. Jill. So is this the first time you play as Claire, or is she in Resident Evil 2 No, Leon? you play as Claire in Resident Evil 2 alongside Leon. Got you. Okay, so you play as Claire, who is looking for her missing brother, who is Chris Redfield. She thinks that she's found him and tracks him down to, I think it's Paris, but finds out that he isn't where she thought he was. She gets captured and sent off to an island which is owned by the Ashford twins. Yes. Ashford? Yes. Yeah. Um, in which there's been an outbreak of the T-virus. At this point, Claire escapes from her, her prison and, and kind of f- tries to find a way to get off the island um, before meeting the secondary character of the game, who I'm sure we've got a lot to say about, uh, as Steve Burnside. <laughs> who I believe is probably one of the most disliked characters in Resident Evil canon, maybe? Perhaps? Yes, absolutely. Probably, yeah. But yeah, things things escalate, and one of the Ashford twins, who is Alfred... Is it Alfred? Yeah, Alfred is the brother. Yeah. Um, Alfred has some kind of weird belief that Claire... Like he needs to keep Claire on the island. She can't escape. And the twins were, they were engineered to exist as kind of like super beings, kind of with superior intellect and superior strength. With Alfred being not the recessive sibling, but he's not quite as powerful as his sister, uh, whose name escapes me. What's the sister's name? Alexia. Alexia. And at a certain point in their childhood, Alexia finds out that by locking herself away and being frozen, she can potentially increase her own strength and her own being. And she goes to sleep for like 10, 15 years or something, I think. 15 years. Yeah. And as the game progresses, you come across Albert Wesker, who I believe uh, was in Resident Evil 1 and is a series favourite, who didn't die at the end of the first game. Because apparently he died, maybe. And is looking for the strain of the T-virus that has had the outbreak on the island. He's also looking for Chris Redfield. for re- Is it for revenge? Um, it's, uh, he, he doesn't like him. I suppose it could be for revenge, but it's not, it's not like the game ever really mm. gives him a monologue to explain it. Fair enough. Um, then Steve and Claire make it off the island and they go to like a research lab in Antarctica where there's been another outbreak of the T-virus. Claire's been trying to raise her brother throughout the whole game, gets a message to Leon Kennedy where she is and then uh, Chris turns up and you then play the other half of the game as Chris. And as the game progresses, you fight um, both of the Ashford twins with Alexia being the, the strong kind of end of game monster um, but not before having Steve injected with the T-virus T and he kind of mutates, but saves himself, declares his love for Claire, which 
weird. Uh, you also noted to me that at some point he tries to kiss her while she's asleep. Yeah. Um, weird. Classic Steve. Classic Steve. Goddamn Steve with his shenanigans and his hijinks. But yeah, you you defeat the um, the twins. Albert Wesker manages, I think, to find the strain of the virus that he's been looking for. And Claire and Chris make it off the island. And that is where the game ends. I've probably missed quite a lot out there. Like I said, I didn't finish this game. That's, but, I mean, I think that's as, as good a brief plot explanation as a game like this with its convoluted story could warrant. So yeah, you did pretty well. Thank you very much. I tried very hard. I wouldn't hard. really add anything to that. Um, yeah, so you mentioned that you play as Claire for 60% of this game and probably the other 40% you play as Chris. And it's got some... Um, so if you... Just before you turn into Chris, and sometimes you change between Claire and Chris as well... Um, anything that's in Claire's inventory, uh, you don't get as Chris, so you can really screw yourself over with that. Um, as you so did. you mentioned the, con- yeah. So there's one one bit. Luckily, mine wasn't too bad because I had a save point fairly near. But some people have really, really screwed themselves over, and I mean that there are, there are lots of people that have complained about this game soft locking you out of it so you can do something and basically the game prevents you from progressing because you haven't well you there are certain things you you, for example there's a boss midway through the game and i know that lots of people ran out of ammo trying to fight this boss and they just didn't have the ammo to, to, to fight the boss and it locks you into this area so you can't go and collect ammo so your only choice is to either yeah, to to restart the game, literally restart the game, because you can't even you can't load an older save point unless you've got an older save point. You can either restart the game, or you can. There is a way to do the boss without using any ammunition, but I can't imagine that it's an easy way to do the boss, um, knowing the boss and the situation. So, yeah, a lot of people either just completely turned off the game at that point, or they restarted it. Um, even people that had played this game before was saying, oh, I got to a certain point and had to restart because I wasn't managing my inventory well enough. I mean, in- inventory management in this game is quite important. It's the same and... in Resi 4, though, I found, that if you didn't have the right stuff and have enough of things, then you could really screw yourself over. But I suppose the difference with Resi 4 is that you always get the opportunity to kind of go back into an area yeah, um, and scout around looking for bits. Um Whereas in Code Veronica, sometimes it locks you in a room and all you've got is the items in that room and the items you've got on you. So that's what I suppose they mean by soft locking. Whereas Resident Evil is quite generous in that with its bosses, it rarely ties you into a situation like that. I never ha- I've never, i never had a situation with that. I've completed um, Resident Evil 4 countless times and I've never had anything like that. Um, but yeah, um, I almost had a horrible situation with code veronica so yeah it's, I, I think i mean you you can say that that's because it's an old game and old games used to do this to you but um the previous resident evil games didn't do this to you to that extreme so i think it's more of a let's say a quirk of this game um so the controls you mentioned the fixed camera and the um and the control so what specifically was your bugbear with the controls 
I think it was the controls mixed with the camera because you made the point to me that I've played games with tank controls before, which I quite enjoyed. The original Tomb Raider games being a prime example. But I think with how slow and how janky it was to control for a relative newcomer to the series, mixed with the fixed camera angles, again, I've got no issue with either of those things on their own. But together, it just made it unplayable and getting trapped in tight spaces with enemies coming at you. Like the amount of times that I died in tight spaces that I could have probably got away from if I was able to see better or if I was able to just get the controls to do what I wanted to rather than going in the opposite direction to what I wanted, I probably would have got on a little bit better with this game. And I think Resident Evil 4 was the first game where they ditched that, wasn't it? And it went to the, the over-the-shoulder view. Yeah. And, I mean, I have my issues with that game as well, but for for the most part, I think it was a change that Resident Evil really needed to make. Yeah. Because... To me... I don't, I don't know. know. I, I, I can't even say that it, it's, it's an issue of the time that this game was made, because you have so many other games coming out in the year 2000 and before that weren't like that. So it's obviously a design and an aesthetic thing, thing, which is fine, but I, I just don't get it. It's it's that it's it's always a tricky question, isn't it? Because horror games will often slow the pace down. Yeah. Will often restrict your controls because, in theory, it makes a scarier experience. I mean, there are many horror games that take away your weapons entirely, and your only option is to run or to hide, and I suppose it intensifies the experience. So. I do think if done right it can work but I don't think I don't think Code Veronica gets that balance right personally um for some people it probably does to me and I'll probably come back to this point later I feel like Resident Evil 4 feels like a generational leap ahead of Code Veronica yeah. even though technically it's not really um but in terms of the way it controls the look of the game I mean if you look at the I mean, I know it's four years later, but graphically, it looks night and day. Um, and 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 let's give let's give some credit to Code Veronica because I suppose we are a bit on the negative slant, and and there are things that I suppose you can praise it for. So it was the first Resident Evil to have three D environments. They did away with the pre rendered environments, and that meant that although the camera was still fixed, it could be a bit more dy- dynamic and it could follow you around a bit more. Um, whereas the older Resident Evil games, it was purely fixed, and because of the pre-rendered environments, it couldn't follow you round a corner. It would be a new camera angle and a new pre-rendered background. Um, so that was an advancement for the series. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's really tricky to say about. I think restricting the player's freedom with the controls can really work, but. Like I said, I don't think this one gets it right. On to our ever-present feature, Gameplay is King. Now, being the Halloween episode, I thought I'd uh, switch this up a bit. Okay. So rather than saying, is the game fun, we're going to say, is the game scary? Which is, I presume, one of the goals of this game. Is it scary? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's scary. It's tense. Um and my, like like I said earlier, one of my main issues being with the camera and getting caught in tight spaces 
it can make the game very tense when you're trapped with nowhere to go and you've got like four zombies coming at you. It can be quite... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the atmosphere can be somewhat oppressive and the environments really lend into that, which, you know, which, which is cool. But I, I wouldn't say scary. It, it's certainly got an atmosphere. Like I'd say a game like Silent Hill is scarier than this. Yeah, I, I don't think this game is... I was hoping it would be more scary than it is. I don't find it remotely scary, but I, I agree with you. There are definitely moments where the tension ramps up and you've got certain things you need to do and, and it'll get your heart racing, but I don't find it scary. I, know sometimes... I find it creepier than Resi 4, though. Oh, really? See, I, I don't. I find that, especially some points in Resi 4, I find there are two... I mean, the castle, when, you, when you've got the droning monks... Uh, that I find that creepy. That yeah, they're they're a bit the weird. Monks. And also the um, what are they called? The um, the creepy things near the end that make the <laughs> sound. Do you know what I mean? I can't, I can't remember. What they're so they're in they're in the factory and they're they're like the really mutated things, and you have to use. Oh yeah, vision. I remember them. I remember. Yeah, I those things. I hate the sound that they make. But. <laughs> I just, yeah, and I think that, well, it, it just says that a lot of the sound design of Resident Evil Four is really good because those were the parts that creeped me out—the sound of it rather than mm. the visuals yeah. of it. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't, I didn't find it scary, but I found it tense. Um, and I think in terms of the scare factor, in terms of the environments, it's quite by the numbers. I mean, there's nothing particularly new here for a Resident Evil game. I mean, you've got your factories, your 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 um your labs and your mansions and it's quite by the numbers with its settings and the settings so you've got you've got a very large map to begin with um and things quickly transition into other locations so the prison quickly becomes the military facility the military facility quickly becomes the palace the palace quickly becomes the airport and it's just a strange place that all these areas are so close together that you can just run between them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. I, I don't think it's scary, but I suppose I can understand, especially at the time, why why it would be scary mm. to some people. Um, what's your favourite element of this game? If you if you really had to strain and <laughs> think of something to say positive. Um. Can you go first, please? Because I'm going to have to really think hard about that. Yeah. Um, I think quite, well, near, near towards the beginning of the game, um, probably within the first half, when I realised that there's this interconnecting map, although I, I think it's a bit unbelievable to have a palace next to an airport and so on and so on and so on. But what you've got is this interconnected map and sometimes you can unlock shortcuts between areas and it gave me a bit of a Dark Souls vibe. Um, but it didn't quite go far enough with that. But I quite liked some of the map layout um, in terms of unlocking shortcuts and thinking, oh, okay, this path ends up here. Okay. And then you start to lay out the map in your head and you start to think, okay, I saw this there and I need to go back there to unlock this. I think it takes it too far. But I like the idea, and I think it it's, it feels novel to begin with. So when it when it does that and it's feeling fresh, I like that aspect of the game, and that's the part that clicks with me. 
um, and then it started to click less as you started to revisit areas and then you have to traipse back across the map to get this item and then you have to do the same again with Chris and yeah it, it lost it but it definitely for a while was clicking with me um, so that's my favourite bit favourite element I think if I really had to dig deep on it that may, maybe the villains and I, sp- I suppose that comes down to the writing of it and I mean classic Resident Evil I've never liked the writing of these games from everything that I've seen and I think we probably took the took the mick out of it a little bit when we discussed Resident Evil 4 with um, you know some of the lines of dialogue that you hear in the first Resident Evil game like it's just awful just atrocious but I I've always been intrigued and I've always been interested by Albert Wesker I don't know why I just think he's quite an interesting villain because he's never the the main villain is he? he's always he's a bit like ocelot he's just kind of there and he'll show up and he's do the some main stuff main disappear villain, but he's never the villain of the game yeah um, so he's all yeah he's always there so he, he's always in a way the main villain in the background but he's never the villain of that game like the puppet master yeah kind of way. um but wesker aside i think that the ashford twins are quite creepy that there's something really weird about them. And because of the graphics of the time, it makes it even creepier. Cadicarus has always said in quite a lot of videos that one of his biggest fears is early PlayStation CG <laughs> because like, the character designs are just horrific. And I think the the character design of the, the Ashford twins is creepy enough, but then their personalities as well. There's just something really eerie and discomforting about them. And I quite like that element of this game. But that was me digging deep to find that because I can't stress enough how much I don't like this game. There's a there's a, a cutscene. I don't know if you saw it. And it shows the Ashford twins when they're young. Yeah. And there's no audio. And it's you can kind of hear the ticking of the... Um, you know, like the old movie reels, the, the clicking of the old movie Yeah, reel. yeah, like a projector. Yeah. And... There, well, Alfred is pulling apart a dragonfly. That was creepy. I would have liked more of that. I'd have liked them to lean into that a bit more. Um, but yeah, there's definitely positive elements there, um, even if some of the dialogue is horrible and some of it ends up falling a bit flat. Um, so. Any other frustrations with this game that you want to voice? I dedicated a whole section to this, so a whole dedication of frustrations. I think mostly, I think mostly just the camera and the the controls and my main issue with it. Because if you can't control a game effectively, you're going to have a bad time. And although I think it isn't amazingly designed, I'm very much aware that a lot of that onus comes down to me because there are so many people that enjoy this game. That I think that's just a me problem. It isn't a problem with the game overall. But I don't know. Just to draw a parallel, I mean, I said this to you in the lead up to this episode. I'd never played the original Tomb Raiders. I played um I played the newer ones, that the remakes, and I also played the the PS2 ones apart from Angel of Darkness because I heard Angel of Darkness about is that game. Bad. But I played Legends and I played yeah. Anniversary. So I played um, a few of the, and Underworld as well. 
Um, so I played a few of the, uh, well, basically all the newer ones, but I never played the older ones. Um, and was it was it Tomb Raider 1 or 2 that I played with you at university? What level did you do? Do you remember? Was it the jungle? Uh, yeah. That's Tomb Raider it was 3. The jungle. Was it Tomb Raider 3? I thought it was 1 or 2. No, because Tomb Raider 2, it wasn't the first in a level jungle. is the Great Wall of China. And Tomb Raider 3. I think it was that. The Great Wall of China. Yeah, and I think it went underground. I can remember a bit where it went underground and there's you have to climb up a ramp and you have to do the stupid jump across to the other side. And that was where I gave up. I can't um, remember. I could tell you if I saw footage of it, but I don't think it was three. I'd, I've always been intrigued by three. Um, I thought it was one or two. Um, and I think it may have been two because I was on top of the wall fighting tigers. Yeah, that's that's two motors too. Yeah, so that that's the one I played. Um, and I just could not get along with it. And it, yeah. So I think I felt how you feel about Code mm. Veronica. And I never and I and I thought I've got no desire to keep playing this game whatsoever, even if it is hailed to be a great game. I just thought I don't want to play it. I don't want to put myself through that. So yeah. I, I do understand it. That's my that's my parallel point there. Um My my thing is this is the this is the point where I talked I, I talked about where I almost got soft locked out of the game. So it was it wasn't really. I think I'm probably over dramatizing that a little bit. So there are points where you shift between Chris and Claire and there was a point where I shifted from Chris to Claire and I thought, okay, I know what this game likes to do. It likes to throw stuff at you unexpectedly and you don't really have time to prepare. So what I did was I completely emptied my <laughs> my inventory as Chris, put it all into the, the lockbox that you can store items in and I thought, okay, now Claire can have access to all these items and in the next section it's fine i was playing as claire i I had all my items items available to me and then there is the steve i I don't even know if you can call it a boss battle It's, it's more like um it's more like a set piece and steve awakens and he's been uh infected and he's this giant monster and he's chasing you down with an axe and he's faster than you and quite literally two hits of his axe can kill you so you have to constantly heal whilst you're running away from him um there is a way to do it without taking hits um but i didn't try that so i did that and i took a few attempts to do that i was getting a bit frustrated with that anyway because i thought (sighs) you can say it's good or bad design that's that's a different conversation but i just thought this isn't fun this is not fun doing this this Steve battle. I don't I don't see what's fun about this. Um, constantly using health items to get away from his hugely overpowered axe. So I did that, and then it dumps you straight into another boss battle. And as you, if you cast your mind back, I I cleared my inventory with Chris, and I was Chris again in this boss battle. So I had no items with Chris. So I was just standing there, and my only option was to die and reload and when I reloaded you don't go back to Chris at this point you don't go back to Claire you go all the way back to Chris which I can understand because it means that you can then adjust your inventory but my point is if you if you break that down it's very trial and error gameplay yeah and I just feel like 
we we've we've got rid of those frustratingly designed moments in games nowadays because it's not difficulty it's this design we're going to throw something at you that you can't possibly expect two bosses in a row without um, a chance to organize your inventory um, with two different characters and one where that you'll you'll eat through your health items so yeah it just seems a bit clumsy to say the least and and my apart from feeling exhausted by playing this game my, my biggest I feel like, and I don't necessarily mean this in, in an entirely negative way, but I feel like Code Veronica is a bit of a hot mess. There are some positive things about it. There are definitely some negatives about it. And it all comes away from what you take away from that hot mess, whether you really like the elements that make up for it, whether the good outweighs the bad. For me, it doesn't quite do enough to outweigh the bad. Um, but that's why, why I think we've got so many differing opinions on this game and it's so divisive um uh, so we've we touched on the audios and the visual visuals but it is a, it is a game from the year 2000 does this game hold up graphically i don't think so to me it feels like it feels like a game that was released on the ps1 after the release of the ps2 so when they'd really really kind of got down everything that they could get out of that console and you know it was running optimally i kind of see it as that like may, maybe an early ps2 generation game but obviously the, the dreamcast was a little bit in between anyway because it came out in between the ps1 and the ps2 i think it came out a few months before the ps2 originally but i think it came out um, i think it came out in 99 originally yes it did that's right so it's kind of on that weird cusp in between, which makes it stand out a little bit. And I don't think the look of it really stands, uh, really holds up today. It doesn't look awful. Like there, there are certainly games from around that time that look look worse than it. But because I I've not really played many Dreamcast games, and I can't compare that that console to anything else, but. The way that the characters are designed and look, I can only compare it to what I've seen of another Dreamcast game, which is the one that I can never remember the name of, the Japanese Shenmue. one. Shenmue, yeah. Shenmue. The, the character design looked quite similar to, to Shenmue, I think. Um, but I, I don't think it particularly holds up. What would you say? I think it looks okay. Um, I think it's not helped by the fact that the environments are very generic and as I said, very generic Resident Evil environments. So there's a lot of grey, there's a lot of brown. Um, it's it's very desaturized, and I think the art style isn't great here. I don't think the art style holds up that well. Whereas I think the art style from Resident Evil 4 is, is again, night and day um, difference. Um, I mean, I actually think, because Shenmue is actually a really good-looking game for the Dreamcast and looks better than a lot of early PS2 games. Um, so I think Shenmue looks a lot nicer than this. Maybe not in the character models, but in the, Environment. In the detail in the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it looks okay. Um, but again, it did introduce 3D environments to the game. And I, I think I had another positive, but I've forgotten it. So It couldn't have been that positive then. No, um, and and I do like the soundtrack of this game. I think it's got quite a good soundtrack. I wouldn't say it's got an amazing soundtrack, but it's got 
especially in the pool of Resident Evil soundtracks, which are not typically memorable or great. I think there are a few catchy themes in this one. Um, so I think it's got a good soundtrack. Where it completely falls flat on its face, though, is the voice acting. Especially for Steve. What is what is it? Bad. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really... When I first heard, heard Steve speak, I, I thought, what is that? What is that? I mean, there's that old... Um, there's that old old idea of Japanese games that they get Westerners off the street to record their their dialogue, and I think on a few occasions it might have been true, um, but this does nothing to dispel that negative stereotype um, that they've just got in some random people. I mean, Claire sounds all right, um, not not amazing, but sounds all right, and Chris sounds all right, but yeah, what was Steve and 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 the Ashford twins as well? They don't sound amazing and it's just it's just the delivery and the intonation it just sounds a bit it's just it all just sounds a bit off and it really lends it that b-movie feel and i suppose that's what resident evil is going for yeah that's Um, always what resident evil has been hasn't it it's kind of like a b-movie game yeah and i mean you compare it to something like metal gear Solid, with the exception of mailing um it's just night and day again between the, the difference in in the voice acting where they actually made an attempt to make it good compared to whatever it was in Code Veronica. Yeah. It's... I, I, I agree with you. I think it just kind of enforces the whole stereotype about Japanese games using Western voices. It's it's, it's, it's funny. It's a weird one. Um, and, you know, you still see some games that are like that today. I mean, I've not played one for a long time, but look at the Dynasty Warriors games. The voice acting in that is a joke. It's awful. And uh, I mean, I mean, and Shenmue. If you played that, although it looks nice, mm. <laughs> the Western voice acting is even worse. Yeah, I've heard. It's, it's not not great, is it? Horrendous. Just yeah, horrendous. I mean, it's it's so bad. It's entertaining. I don't. Th- I mean, I think Steve sometimes falls into that, but yeah, most of the time it's just bad in Code Veronica. Yeah. Um, okay, on to our question of the week. Can you think of the time in your gaming life, and it could be when you're a child? could be modern day the scariest moment for you playing games and what that was and and just yep paint us a picture i remember remember, it 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 wasn't even a scary game um it wasn't even a scary moment but i've always had a thing particularly when i was younger that faces really creep me out and strange voices creep me out and i remember playing the original spider-man on the ps1 I'm not sure. Have you played that game? Um, I've got it on the N64. The one with... Have you played it? Sure. Um, I've played a bit of it. I've not played much. So in that game, you can come across a glitch. Not not a glitch, like a a secret. I'm not sure if you need a a cheat code or whatever to put it in because there was a password thing on this game. And have you heard of The Watcher? Yeah. Yeah, so Marvel have just released... um, a series I think on Disney Plus about the Watcher or I think it's called What If and it's like this really weird cutscene that you go into you fly over to a certain building on the first level and then all, all of a sudden you lose control and like from memory this little weird hologram shows up with a really deep kind of voice is how I remember it anyway and he's like what if 
what if this happened or what if that happened and I, I must have been about I don't know nine ten and it absolutely scared the Jesus out of me um, to the point where I ran downstairs screaming because I, I think it's because I wasn't expecting it because it was so out yeah. of the blue and it wasn't scary at all but it just kind of threw me for six and I was very young. as well but yeah honestly like scared me to death was awful yeah yeah i think when you're a kid things play on your mind differently i was always afraid of this isn't my one but i was always afraid to i think i mentioned it in the zelda ocarina of time episode to go across hyrule field at night yeah with the um with the the the, the, the skull things yeah they're called um, I always hated going across it at night because you, you couldn't defeat them. They're endless and you just had to wait till morning. And I thought, this is horrible. This is horrific. And I used to just jump into um, the the moat around Hyrule Castle and just swim till the morning because I couldn't deal with them. No, I, I get it. Uh, it. It is small stuff that bothers you. Like Another thing that comes to mind, is, and you'll, you'll get to experience it, and it, I don't think it would bother me anymore if it hadn't done when I was a kid. But there's a section in Final Fantasy VII where you go into somewhere called the Shinra Mansion. And I mean, I think you've probably heard the the track One Wing Angel from um, Final Fantasy VII. Does that ring any bells? Maybe. I, You'd recognise it if you heard it. But there's this, um, there's this other track that gets played for Sephiroth. I can't remember what it's called now, but it's basically just um, like a bub-bum, bub-bum. And then occasionally a bell comes in. And I don't know why, but it used to really creep me out. And I think because you're going through the Shitner Mansion, it's this old abandoned mansion that is effectively haunted. And that used to creep me out a little bit as well. Not so much anymore, but because it used to creep me out when I was a kid, I think yeah. that's always stayed with me a little bit. Well, it's like the... Um, is it Lavender Town in Pokemon? Yeah. The, the discordant music that everyone hates. Oh, it's horrible. Or finds creepy. Yeah, why would you put discordant music into a Pokemon game? It's just... Lavender Town is just it's... horrible and generous. Like, hello, let's go into this tower that's effectively a graveyard for all Pokemon that have died and play some really creepy yeah. music and you get attacked by ghosts. It's like, no. Well, I mean, it's, it, we touched on it with Majora's Mask, but that game is just full of it. All these questionable things what that you think place were the developers in when they made this game to to make it the way that it was yeah, Japanese developers I, I find it, it fascinating yeah yeah it's, it's interesting um so my, my actual one is this I mean this was I, I was at, I was must have been uh, maybe 18 um maybe a bit younger maybe 17 um so I was playing I don't know you, you see me play the condemned series condemned one you saw me play um when you were up here it's the one where it's first person and you've got these like drug addled people that come at you with weapons and it's quite dark. And, I don't remember um, it. I, you, you'd remember it probably if you saw footage of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I was playing Condemned 2 and I'd not actually completed Condemned 1 at the time. I think I went back and completed it. Um, but I think Condemned 1 is better. But Condemned 2, I was playing that and... It set it very nicely sets a very creepy tone, and um, at one point you're in a motel, and there's there's a supernatural element to Condemned as well, but I was exploring the hotel, and 
I went into one of the hotel rooms and it was clear. I thought, okay, good. I can search for items here, uh, maybe some new weapons. And I thought I'd go into the bathroom, went into the bathroom and the bathroom had a mirror on the wall. So I thought, I, I was just looking in the mirror for a second and one of these, I don't know what to even call them, drug addicts, crazies, I don't know. That's pretty very offensive. Um, but came, came and jumped me from behind and my heart was beating because I just did not expect it at yeah. all and I wasn't prepared to tackle him. So I paused the game and I had to just get my breath before I fought him. But that was, I, I can't think of a time where my heart was beating as fast as that because I just did not expect it. I thought I was safe. Classic jump and scare. Yeah, well, well, I mean, that's it's interesting when when games invade your safe space where you think you're safe and then they throw something in there. One of the save rooms in Resident Evil 7, um, save rooms in Resident Evil have always been safe oh, spaces. Oh, I think I know where, about this one. And you go in there and Jack, who is the main antagonist, <laughs> comes through the wall. <laughs> and it is terrifying. But yeah, it's always interesting when developers play on those boundaries that they establish with you. It's the same in um, Alien Isolation, isn't it? Like you always expect a safe space to be to be um, safe, and you can still get absolutely murked by the uh, the xenomorph while you're trying to save your game. Well, that's why Alien Isolation. I'm actually replaying it at the moment on my Switch OLED, and that's why it's terrifying because you're never safe and get you anywhere. Yeah, and, and it's completely unpredictable as well. Mm. And I, I like where horror is going, and I, and I like it when, yeah, developers try all these things out. Because I, I find, and, and this really feeds in nicely to the Halloween extraordinaire that we are doing, um, I always find fear to be an interesting thing. Like, why do we get scared and what makes us scared? And why do we, why do we sometimes chase fear? Why do we watch horror films that are going to terrify us and keep us awake for weeks or whatever it is? And there's something in us that that feeds on that. And I find that relationship that we have with fear and just really fascinating. So when, when games can bring or can shine a light on that, again, it's just intriguing to me. So yeah, um, I just thought it'd be a bit of a, an interesting question of the week, which drew a line between that and code veronica but back on to code veronica for our our roundup our conclusion um does code veronica deserve to be on the metacritic top 100 list no it doesn't deserve to be anywhere near this list it blows my mind and again i think it's fair enough that people like it it's a subjective thing but as an overarching theme with with this i think the only reason i can think that it's on this list is because it was i think it was the first next gen resident evil game is that right yeah after the ps1 so yeah so after the ps1 it was the first time we saw this kind of in-between step for the resident evil series and i also think it's worth casting your mind back to the dreamcast which did have a bunch of very decent games on it, and quite a few games that made it onto the list actually. Um, With num- the, the, the number three game of all time being a Dreamcast game. Yeah, and this was another game that was a reason to buy the Dreamcast. So yeah, I think it felt very novel to be playing Code Veronica on your Dreamcast. This next generation game 
which wasn't available anywhere else, which was at the time exclusive. Big brand. So big series. It probably felt quite special at the time yeah. to people. Um, I agree with you. I don't think it deserves to be on this list. I don't think it's the worst experience I've had on this list, but I mean, I think there are worse games than Code Veronica. That the one that comes to mind as one that I think I got even less out of than Code Veronica, even though again I don't think it's a bad game, but I just don't think it deserves to be near, near the list. Is um, Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars? Yeah, that wasn't great. It's another game that that baffles me as to why it's even in contention um but i think i think this is better than that but this was it was it was an experience that i was looking forward to i had high expectations um as someone that has played a lot of the resident evil games in the past i thought i'd get along fine with it i just was exhausted by the end of it i was ready for it to finish probably hours before it did and I was just done with it, and I I wouldn't go back to it again. Now, maybe this game, I mean, a lot of the people that enjoy this game have completed it several times. Maybe this game is great on repeat playthroughs. I'd find it really hard to recommend this game to new players, though. Um, like me. Yeah, and like, like myself playing for the first time as well. It's just... It's, it's, it's like the developers just want to punish you sometimes. And it's just not very fun for too much of the game. Um, and I, I will never get round to a second playthrough because that first playthrough was just too uh, just too exhausting for me. Um, so yeah, I don't think it deserves to be on the list. But I know that there are lots of people that love this game. Um, but that wasn't me. So... That was Code Veronica, our special Halloween episode. Um, it, yeah, I quite enjoyed doing the episode, whether or not I enjoyed the game. And um, what have we got coming up? What we've got coming up is an episode that we've already recorded uh, that was supposed to be released last week. However, my laptop decided to... Um, Implode. Just not cooperate after I'd edited the whole thing and we lost the entire episode. So next week... We will be releasing our episode on the Zelda collection um, and more more focused on uh, Zelda 1 and Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. So, yes, apologies that that didn't come out last week, but we will be recording that directly after this one and uh, we'll be releasing that one next week for you before moving on to something new um, a couple of weeks after that. So, yes, a bit more Zelda for your ears. What a treat. Good stuff. Indeed. Okay, well that's about it then. Yep, so as always, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can email us at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. Please consider rating, sharing, poking. I think if you're on Facebook, if that's the thing that you can still do. I don't know, I don't use Facebook. But yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and we look forward to seeing you next time for the Zelda collection. So yes. Have a spooky Halloween and cheerio. See you on the next one.